This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Shouldn't you be at home? And Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin! Unknown goal from Ruddock! Ball by break here for Kiwabia. Pannister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores! Oh, a magnificent goal from Darren Huckabee! Still rule Fox. He's gone to the left. Oh. Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh he has to. No! Hello and welcome back to Quickly Kevin, I'm Chris Goal and welcome to these, now that's what I call Quickly Kevin Lockdown Specials. Joining me, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And the man who is hoarding shitloads of Pez, it's Michael Marden. Hello. Best thing about Pez, little head dispenser things. Yeah. The sweet itself, rubbish. Have I we know, covered that? Really, uh, really yeah, great. But the heads were, the things, the dispensers were so exciting. I think it was all overrated. I think really? Pez were an absolute scam. <laughs> Did they ever do football Pez? <laughs> Is that still a thing? What, Pez? Pez? Yeah, yeah. I brought my girlfriend one for Christmas, a Grinch Pez as a little stocking filler. She loves the Grinch, but yeah, waste of time. (laughs) Waste of time. Um, So, I've got another question uh, by, uh, it was week two of our lockdown specials. I've got another question um, related to lockdown. Now, obviously, the season is going to go on and they are probably going to finish it. There was a point at which your best mate, Karen Brady, Chris, (laughs) wanted to just cancel the season. What point in any 90s season would you have wanted the season, would have been the best moment to have the oh, season cancelled? that's a great question. That's tough, isn't it? I think, I'll go first then. I would have the 91-92 season, so the last old first division before the before Premier Before Leeds won. Yeah, basically, Manchester United could and probably should have won that season, but yeah. our last 10 games maybe, I think we won maybe 3 and 11 because of fixture congestion, so we would have because won... fixture congestion, still got the excuse. Yeah. <laughs> still got the excuse. Let it, it go, go mate. pathetic. Yeah. The only reason I started the old this podcast stuffed is suits at the FA. <laughs> Graham Kelly's got a lot to answer for. Suburb <laughs> <laughs> Millichip. <laughs> when he was playing on a Tuesday and a Thursday <laughs> while he ate caviar at the Ivy <laughs> anyway sorry 
I would have I would have ended the season then. It would have been about March as well, so it would have been about this time. And Manchester United. Are we been... saying you? Are we saying with this rule you end it and then the result stands? Well, you set the question, mate. I don't know. Yeah, well, no. How you can interpret it how you want. You say that then, man, you would claim the title. Yes, exactly. like Liverpool would, were you to end yeah, it now, we would have claimed the title. Yeah. Chris? Although we probably wouldn't have signed Eric Cantona if that happened. So oh, it's the butterfly effect. It's the butterfly there. effect. I retract. I retract my answer in that case. I would suspend the season about ten minutes after Alan Shearer scores against Germany in the semi-final. <laughs> <year and eight>. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could regroup, maybe get hodling at that point. <laughs> Come out with a different game plan. Just get behind the ball, see it out. One, yeah. we'll do the Czech Republic like six <laughs> yeah. months later. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Um, when would I suspend the season? That is a good question. I, I hadn't got an answer for it because I. Oh no, I know when I'd suspend the season. Is this going to be anti-Manchester United? Yeah, it's like going it to be is. the 89th minute yeah. of the Champions League final. <laughs> I saw that coming a mile off. In 1999. I thought you were going to say when the Manu semi-final had, with of Arsenal. Course, what people forget is the fixture congestion by Munich had at that time, which has really tired them. So, um, write in if you have any uh, views on uh, when you want to uh, end any of the 90s seasons. And it will be added to the correspondence in our electronic postbag. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the electronic postbag. You've got mail. Hello, big fan of the show, but wish to talk to you a little bit more about my club, Sheffield Wednesday. Maybe even get Chris Waddle or David Hurst to have a chat. Anyway, I'm writing to you about something you mentioned in the Tom Davis episode. You were discussing Fulham signing Collins John after John Collins had left. One of our favourite topics. <laughs> However, they have done something similar since. Ooh. Not strictly 90s, but equally strange. When they sold Moussa Dembele to Spurs, they bought Moussa Dembele, That's the ex-Celtic true. player. Yes, yeah. Fulham have done it twice, but yeah. this time even more on the nose. Isn't that weird? It's sort of less fun, I think. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been better if they'd assigned Dembele Moussa. (laughs) Yeah, I missed missed the palindrome. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so also recently, Adama Traore of Wolves has declared to play for Mali, making the third player in the current Mali squad to be called Adama Traore. He's, he's br- is he the big guy with the shoulders? He's yeah. enormous. He's amazing. His shoulders. He's got huge shoulders. Like a square, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would he have been? He wouldn't have been a very nineties player, I don't think. Oh, we had yeah. that discussion of nineties players now, but I think he's too good. He's too talented for the nineties. Yeah, right. We had this question: like, do you think any team from the nineties would lose against that? Like. Like, how much better are teams now versus the teams in the 90s? I, sometimes I watch Premier League years and I think, is this of a similar standard to what I'm watching now? Well, that's the thing. You go, here's... A, I don't know if we've discussed this before because I don't really know anything about tactics. But would, like, Man U's 4-4-2 be cruelly shown up by a... A high-pressing high 4-3-3 situation. Like, were they to play Liverpool or Man City now? Yeah. Would they be absolutely destroyed by being outnumbered in midfield by the overlapping wing like I don't I bet I think they would or well or would it be like Rocky where they're so used to a particular style of play now that the sort of slugging bruiser that would be (laughs) a 4-4-2 big man like when was the last time a premiership defence came up against like a big man little man combo (laughs) 
how would they mark Theon Dublin? How would they mark Duncan Ferguson? They would have no idea what they're doing. Well, I was thinking that, so um, I think we talked about this not on the show, but um, my friend sent me that Sven Goran Eriksson had been on Sky Sports, and it's slightly out of our era, but it's still, and he'd been asked to name his dream team for England. That he, Did you see this? No. Sven Goran Eriksson was on uh, Sky Sports, and they asked him to name the best England team. Yeah. So he picked, basically, he picked Gerard and Lampard together in midfield. Yeah, of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> Put skulls out on the left. Right? Changed the record, Sven. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> so he picked that classic, the 2006 team. Neville, Ferdinand, Terry, Cole. I've got, yeah. Yeah, I've got, the, I've got the team here. But finish with the goalie, because that's... So, so, so right back, Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Ashley Cole, left back, right midfield, David Beckham, Gerard, Lampard, skulls on the left. <laughs> Owen and Rooney up top. But then in goal, he's picked Joe Hart. What? He, Joe Hart is not his era. And so Joe Hart is not a good goalkeeper of any era. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. So, so, so does this mean he's been picking across all eras? And yeah. you know what? So the frustrating thing about this team is like, this, is, this team compounds all the errors that have been made in the last 20 years of English football. Skulls on the left. <laughs> It's known to not work. Gerard Lampard in the heart. It's it's almost a cliche of a mistake. I'm confused. Could he pick from any era of England? Did Joe Hart maybe... Was Joe Hart in Sven's squad as a young goalkeeper in 2006? Surely not. But But even even if he was... Did he look at that World Cup 2006 team and think, the problem there was we didn't have Joe Hart? (laughs) So but also Michael, Michael Owen and Rooney up front. Like I feel like that's been pr- again you know t- proved to not work again and again. So I know we're not really interested in tactics, but it did get me thinking that if all those players from the golden generation played today, would they not fit into the current ways of playing? No. I, so I, Ashley Cole would, right? Yeah. And your centre-backs would. Yeah. Would Gary Neville feel a bit stayed, maybe? I think it would depend. He's not playing right, as a winger. They're, they're not the ones I care about. Okay. Gerard and Lampard would be fine in a 4-3-3. Yeah. Where are you playing Beckham? In the current system. I think Beckham would end up as a central midfielder. I don't think he'd be on the right. I think he'd just be a central midfielder. Yeah, he'd be a sort of right-sided central midfielder. And then I don't you just you haven't got, got the wingers in those. Yes, I mean, yeah. You need to be tackling and kind of driving forward. You need to, like, Jordy... Well, there's the Jordan, game. Jordan Henderson is a kind of archetype, isn't but he? But he did play, role? Beckham did play central midfield in one of the games at a World Cup and he was really effective because they had Anderson on the right, didn't they? My worry would be, I don't think there's much room for Michael Owen because most teams play one up front and you can't play... It'd be like, well, also in those days, seemingly we had no winger. Like, it's all about the two wingers now. Yeah. Salah and Mane or like Leroy Sane and Raheem Sterling. Yeah. And then what are we doing? You're having... Walcott and Aaron Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> this team doesn't stand a chance against any what any high pressing. Do you elite think team. that team would lose against the current England team? Oh, it's tricky, isn't it? I'd, someone out there must be able to, on a version of Championship Manager with the editor, build that team versus the modern team and just play them against each play, other. Yes. That midfield would be way better if they played a four-three-three. Yeah. Four four two, have a horrible formation. At least update that, Sven. Do you think the magazine four four two has ever thought we need to change it? <laughs> uh, what would sc- score change that to? Expected goals. <laughs> <laughs> expected goals is the biggest load of bullshit. Anyway, um, oh, sorry, I sound like an old person. I sound Do like you, Steve actually, Nichol complaining about this, throwing coaches. This is giving which me I a thought. I think it's a good idea. 
For these lockdown specials, can you send us your most 90s 11? Yes, please. Formation of your choosing. Let's just, you know, let's not get into managers. Just pick your 442. Yeah. Or a formation of your choosing and your most 90s 11. Yeah, we'd love that. With, with a justification why for each choice yes. as well. Yeah, thank yeah. you. This is how you get in touch. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. And now it's time for Now That's What I Call Quickly Kevin, Volume 3. First up, it's the wonderful Frank Skinner with a couple of stories from 90s football. Here he is discussing Bobby Gould's time in charge of West Brom in the 90s. You had Bobby Gould for a while as manager. <laughs> we and did. I mean, that, he seemed to be the captain of the ship during the, the darkest time. Just as a hint of how unpopular Bobby Gould was, is when he came back as, I think, a Sky Pondy, he was banned from the ground because Albion said they couldn't guarantee his personal safety. Wow. <laughs> One of his first acts, he bought Paul Williams. Oh, right. Paul Williams was a lumpen centre forward who had only ever scored for us and who never looked like he might. Yeah. I mean, he was perhaps one of our worst ever players. And the story was that he sent, I think it was Stuart Pearson then was the uh, assistant manager, he sent him to sign Paul Williams. And the Paul Williams he was after was a, a, a quite a, a nippy left back. Oh, he played for Plymouth, that Paul Williams. Oh, OK. He was a good player. Yeah. And so the story goes, Bobby Gould went into the dressing room, looked at Paul Williams and said, who the bloody hell are you? <laughs> and he said, well, you've just signed me. And wow. they got the wrong Paul Williams. <laughs> he did that again for Wales and get the wrong names. Is that right? Yeah, he had reform in this area. Well, it fitted in with a sort of theme at the Albion. It's Alan Mollery told me. He, he went up for the um, manager's job mm. at West Brom. At the time when Ronnie Allen was the other candidate, it was, a, it was an ex-West Brom player. And apparently the chairman said to his assistant, go and tell Alan he's got the job. And he thought he meant Ronnie Allen. So he went and told him. <laughs> and then after they said to Alan Murray, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, it was good, it's supposed to be you, but we can't, we don't upset him now. <laughs> Wow, that's astonishing. And is it, <clears throat> is it true, I hope this is true, that, that West Brom fans pass around a coffin with R.O.P. Gould written on it? In, uh, in Shrewsbury? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was... That, the, that yeah, they, they, carried, they didn't just take it to the game, they carried <laughs> it around Shrewsbury. <laughs> oh, what, like in a kind of... Like yeah. a funeral procession? Uh, Barcelona yeah. had the pig's head with <laughs> Figo West Brom, it was, full it, coffin. It was pretty bleak. Wow. He also, he brought in the red and yellow stripe to wake it because he said... Um, He'd stumbled across a comic called Roy of the Rovers, <laughs> which you think he might have heard of as a professional footballer, and saw the red and yellow and thought that it might be a lucky omen. It, oh, wow. And it absolutely was not. So moving on to fantasy football, I think the, the thing that appealed to me most was how it, it didn't dumb down the football content. It, it was, you know, it kind of reveled in its nicheness. I don't know who said it to me, but... Um, someone said to me that you and David had jokes which you describe as your no-surrender jokes mm. that you would fight to keep in the show. Well, we felt that no-surrender was the general policy on the football references, which worried me because no-surrender was very much a Protestant um, <laughs> <laughs> slogan at the time. But um, 
that was what we decided to do. That it, it wasn't supposed to be an explanation. It wasn't a dummy's guide to football. Yeah. And we just thought, well, there's plenty of football fans, so we'll, it'll be apparent that there's a door policy, but we're not going to have a sign, you know. It'll just become apparent yeah, when you don't yeah. get off the things we're saying that it's not for you. And then I met lots of people who said to me, I don't know, I'm really interested in football, but I really like your show. I don't always know what you're talking about. And that, we I didn't see that coming. Were there any kind of jokes where even you and David were like, I think that's too niche? The only joke I remember us having a big debate about was um, we wanted to do an audience vote. We'd just been knocked out of the World Cup and we wanted to have a vote. Um, which would, if you had the choice, which would you rather have? Um, England back in the World Cup or Princess Diana alive again? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think the producer was edgy. <laughs> about it but I, my, my, I remember defending that by saying but we're not saying anything it's a question yeah and if you're right that it is outrageous then obviously you know Princess Diana will win hands down so that's all well and good what do you think the result would have been oh um I know what I would have voted <laughs> Queen of Hearts mate yeah. uh, um, it's so, a bit embarrassing because um, Sol Campbell was celebrating the fact that she'd come back to life and then, <laughs> and then, and then she hadn't. <laughs> and now here's 90s icon Ian Dowie discussing dressing room DJs and dropping a dance-based bombshell. Well, so we've had Matt Letizio on earlier mm. in this series and uh, obviously you played at Southampton. I did. Him. He mentioned that Glenn Cockerell was the DJ in the in the change rooms. Do you, do you remember that? If you know Glenn, if you want a parody of Rod Stewart, it is Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does. He's still now. Yeah, yeah he's still he's absolutely the same. That same dyed hair. <laughs> to be fair, he's in great nick for, for a lad of his age now. Incredible. But he, he's, got, he's the ex-Saint sort of leader down there, but... I don't remember him ever being a DJ other than that he liked to sing Rod Stewart songs. So, so we, where would he sing them? On the bus or on the... No, well, he'd, he'd sing them to himself, you know, because he... Bit of Maggie he, he thought he was. Yeah, he thought he was Glenn, uh, uh, Rod Stewart. We had some powerful people in. In fact, as I remember, Tim Flowers was the DJ in there. Because he used to have UB40. So we always had a bit of rat in my kitchen. What am I going to do? Still <laughs> <laughs> on that as you're going out? Yeah. We used to have that all the time. Not rat going out, but yeah. in the in the squirrel in the afternoon. Yeah. That's the problem with you. <laughs> pre-game, pre-game, we had yeah, a bit of UB40, a bit of reggae. Bob Marley is a big reggae fan. Tim Flowers. Wow. wow. Did we, yeah. What you like on the music? Did you ever get in, in the change room and go right? Let's listen to this. Let's, no, let's I, get to be fired fair, up with this. I was, um, as you may wear, I was more of a dancer than a, a listener to music. <laughs> wow. Okay. What, what, you don't believe that? <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying to imagine yeah, what you yeah, see. You, you know what you see in, in, incredulity across someone's face? <laughs> I, I'm just, and so I understand that. We used to go when we were younger to a place called Royal in Southgate and me and my brother and a couple of boys used to do a little routine. Did you? Uh, yeah, well, you get, what, a rehearsed routine? Anyone would tell you I've been any club I've been at, I would be first on the dance floor. That's the way it was. Oh, wow. And what kind, of, what kind of styles? Tap, modern? No, no, it's just, <laughs> just purely disco. Just <laughs> Disco. Yeah, it's purely, it's purely jazz funk is my big favourite. <laughs> why is that? Why is that surprising? Off, I can't why is that surprising? I just think, oh, I love that. You're I'm, an old-fashioned centre forward. Do you know what? I'm, <laughs> have you ever come across Dion Dublin? You know, he's, he's quite a musician. He's, he's got the doob, isn't he? The doob, yeah, yeah. Is Brilliant. that kind of thing you're in? Yeah, I like that. I like that. I don't play any musical instruments. I mean, I don't understand it at all. Well, you just feel the rhythm. 
Yeah, I think there is some rhythm in me, how that, where that's come about. <laughs> you, you wouldn't judge me watching it at West Ham. But... <laughs> and finally, here's Darren Anderson with an amazing story of what might have been had it happened, the greatest moment in English football history. Since you mentioned it, we should move on to your own ISX. Well... I mean, so this one is, of the tournament, uh, probably the tournament of our lives, Darren. Yeah. You're there in the heart of it. You having a swig of beer just to pull your ass? Yeah, dentist chair. Dentist chair. Well, I mean, before we talk about the football, we should talk about that. <laughs> the, the, the weekender in Hong Kong, wasn't it? Like, uh, yeah, it was a pre-tournament for yeah, like, yeah. end of season tour. But it was yeah. We not sure why we did go out to Hong Kong and we China. Playing a game? Were you playing a game? We, right we, we played a game in China. Yeah, great um, warm up for the Euro '96. Yeah, um, so we yeah, season finished. Game against Hungary, Wembley. Then off to China, game there. Then Hong Kong, where we played against almost like a select eleven. Uh, wasn't much of a game really. So it wasn't even the main Hong Kong team. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was. What was the score? We only won one nil. Okay. I mean, we didn't get we didn't get caps or anything song. for it. Yeah. Really, he struck yeah. off the record. Yeah, even... yeah. so oh. um, yeah, real waste of time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we were going home the next day. But that you know, after that, there was a bit of function and a dinner with sponsors and all that, and that was dragging on a bit. And you know, Terry said the boys could have a night out. So Who Tony, said that Terry said? Yeah, yeah. So okay. yeah, Tony Adams go up. Yeah, boys were like gagging for a night out, and so Terry just said, "No, the famous last words. You know, behave yourselves." <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, we had uh, yeah, Brian Robson with us to look after us. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's the yeah, worst yeah. chaperone yeah. you can imagine, isn't it? And it was, um, and the following day was Gaz's birthday. So it, it was, really was a perfect storm. Once it got to in and around that midnight, and he was got getting the flaming sambukas out and all sorts. And who was le- who was the leader? Oh, who was God, leading? Well, Gaza would be involved. Gaza, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there was a few yeah boys on that trip, so it was. Um, then uh, who found it or who saw it? This this dentist chair and off the boys went. You know, and <laughs> how you late on taking yeah. the photos? No, no. I mean, I've been over to Hong Kong quite a lot since over the years on different tours and things like that, and um, met the guys who kind of ran that bar, and they say so you know the people who did it. You know, they were obviously they were fired straight away. It was just people who were working there. Yeah, it was naughty. But was there a buzz around with people like the England team are in the bar getting absolutely smashed? Probably, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, we were. I mean, we, I mean, the pictures with the rip shirts and yeah. everything. It was, um, yeah, proper boys' night out. Um, How did the rip shirts happen? Was yeah, guys just started ripping people's shirts. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was obviously a mad night. It was great fun. I remember um, the following morning waking up. Thinking, oh my lord, I've missed training here. It's you know half ten or something. You know, don't know why I rang walk around. Yeah, you walk over walls. What's going? On? So I don't know. Can't, training's cancelled. Oh really? Yeah, training's cancelled. Yeah, yeah. By Gaza. <laughs> so it was cancelled. So we all you know we go to the shops and all that, and flew home about midnight that night. By the time we got back, it was it was everywhere. By the time we had, you know finished that oh, that gosh. long flight, I'm like, oh dear. And then of course they said we smashed up the plane, which was completely untrue. But. Um, yeah, not a good start. And then, we, of course, we have a stinker in the first <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah we, we were useless against Switzerland, and the, the press just come for us. Absolutely bad. But it worked out great. How much? Because it was obviously a home tournament. There's been what six years of build up or whatever to us yeah. knowing we've got this tournament. How much pressure did, did it feel like a really big 
this is it this is the biggest yeah it did because I think we hadn't played a competitive game for two years as well and that yeah. was yeah, friendlies upon friendlies and then all of a sudden wow this really matters game you're supposed to win win comfortably um, you know Al, Al scores his goal first goal he scored in probably tw- about 12 games and there was a lot of pressure on him and then all of a sudden come out and start the second half and the, everything just went a bit sloppy bit you know a couple of misplaced passes the crowd got a bit edgy then the players got a bit edgy and I, yeah, I didn't. I had a, I played poorly. I, you know, I was one of about six or seven who just didn't play. It was, a dis- yeah, a disaster. It's like, oh my god, that's awful. And then the pressure, and then the stick, and the. Play. And then you've got a week to go back to a that whole week, training yeah. camp. Are you? Because you're obviously you're based in the UK, but you don't get to go home. Well, we did then. We were able to go home on the Saturday night, uh, back for Sunday. Um, and then I think a few of the boys were out, were out. So that was back in the papers. So. That's, so so then, so then, so then um, the, the following after the Scotland game, we were supposed to do the same. You know, but, you know go, yeah, you can go, you know, come back Sunday night. So of course that got been turned. No, I can't let you out of here, can I? <laughs> you know, you know. Were so you allowed you, to drink in the training camp? Uh, no, not really. No, no, the boys. No. Good. So what I mean, did you do the time in the evenings? Not too much. I mean, there was lots of other games on, so the boys would be watching the other games and that sort of thing. And um, that's that's the worst part of the tournament football. It gets no, boring. It, it gets really boring. So England, Scotland, you win two 0 yeah. Does the atmosphere just turn in the dressing room? Just, like, just hey, turn. I think it just turned everywhere. I mean, I wouldn't say we were, we played overly well on the day, but we came out second half, scored the good goal, mm. and that, the whole tournament just changed in that one minute with you know the the penalty, McAllister. It misses, got the other end, and Gaza scores the wonder goal um, from my wonderful pass. Of oh course. yes, assist! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, People yeah, don't it, talk about that it, assist it, enough. Yeah, they're tapping. <laughs> <laughs> but you just felt that was it—the the celebration, everything about it. And I remember even that when the final whistle went, the crowd stayed, the song came on, three lines, yeah. and that was it. It was just so you. Because we, we've interviewed Frank Skinner recently about that, and he talked about. Were you there on the training ground the day they came down no, to play no, the song? No, I wasn't there. No, because I missed that game. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Would, Would you have done it? Because he said he had, they struggled to get England players to be in the video. I, I bet. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, can't, I can't imagine me uh, stepping forward really. But, <laughs> but no, it was, I mean, I, I st- yeah, still gives me goosebumps when it, when it comes on. I mean, just even for you know the, the following games. Ended up staying out there for a little bit longer in the warm up because the songs come on, the crowd is singing it. It's yeah, you know, memories that are just you yeah. know, stay with you forever. I'm getting goosebumps now. Yeah, <laughs> really I wasn't even playing. Did you, did you play it in the dressing room before? Would you play it? Played it on the bus last song before. Yeah, getting there. Yeah. Everyone seems to know the score. They've seen it all before. They just know. So sure that England's gonna throw it away, gonna blow it away, but I know they can play, cause I remember three lines on the shirt. Jules remains still gleaming, 30 years of hurt, never stop me when you play for England there's a lot of pressure you know you better play well as you're getting slaughtered by the press by whoever um, and you want to do so well And it's not often you're playing at Wembley 4-0 up half hour to go against <laughs> Holland 
the whole stadium singing football you know, songs and you're kind of humming along and just enjoying <laughs> take, oh, yeah. take, you know taking it all in it just it, yeah it doesn't get any better than that so sadly let's bring it down to the semi-final yes um, obviously a lot of people go on about Gaza almost getting the winner in extra mm-hmm. time they forget that you hit the post I know nightmare yeah disaster uh, it was a, yeah it was a weird one this is what Mac got in and he pulled it back and it was just a little bit behind me I, yeah. got, I, got, I got the touch on it but I think it was sort of falling away so it's got a connection on it thinking oh well it's in and kind of by the time I've hit it I'm facing the other way and I kind of roll over and watch the ball just not only does it hit the post it then goes back into the keeper's hand who's already dived past it so oh. it was just like oh my surely not it would have been amazing because we had a little celebration to actually just run off run off down the tunnel but you were all going to run it, off down it, the it tunnel it would have been the first golden goal it would have been brilliant <laughs> Your plan, your plan was if yeah, you got the winner. Was the shout, you the were boys all going to run down the tunnel. But it was the other end, so it might have been a long run. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the greatest yeah. moment in football oh. history. Oh, oh now I'm twice as good. Tell me about it. More great stuff. More great content. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Loved it. Favorite bit. The middle. Because you're equally much in it and you know there's still a bit to come. Yeah. So, uh, number for our Des Lynam poem that we end all of our lockdown specials on. Uh, my favourite number is number nine, so let's go for that. Big number nine, Duncan Ferguson, an ode to by... Uh, no, um, <laughs> on a portrait of a deaf man by Sir John Betjeman. That's it from this episode of Now That's What I Call Quickly Kevin. We'll be back very soon with some more... 90s football based content until then Robbie Slater see you later the kind old face the egg shaped head the tie discreetly loud the loosely fitting shooting clothes a closely fitting shroud he liked old city dining rooms potatoes in their skin But now his mouth is wide to let the London clay come in. He took me on long, silent walks in country lanes when young. He knew the name of every bird, but not the song it sung. And when he could not hear me speak, he smiled and looked so wise. But now I do not like to think of maggots in his eyes. He liked the rain-washed Cornish air and smell of ploughed-up soil. He liked a landscape big and bare and painted it in oil. But least of all, he liked that place which hangs on Highgate Hill of soaked Carrara-covered earth for Londoners to fill. He would have liked to say goodbye, shake hands with many friends. In Highgate now, his finger bones stick through his finger ends. You, God, who treat him thus and thus, say, save his soul and pray. You ask me to believe you, and I only see decay. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.